Welcome to the Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone. When we heed the call and say yes to live from the truth of our hearts, we accept the invitation to deeply relax, trust, and let go of fear, control, struggle, suffering, and separation. Now, here is your host, Sandy Goldstone. Hello, lovelies. Welcome to this week's episode of Sounds of the Heart. As your host, I am delighted to have your beautiful presence and heart's vibration join with mine. As we listen, share and explore in this hour together, I invite us all to join together as one conscious global heart as we take a deep breath in and relax out with a sound. Ah. To gently ground our being in calm stillness. Meeting ourselves in love, as love, what we always are now. It is so wonderful to feel our hearts become part of the one unified field of love through the breath. Thank you for joining me again today, wherever you are right now on the planet, whatever time it is for you. Know that you are greatly welcomed and your presence is celebrated. Now it gives me great pleasure to once again welcome our return guest, Indigo Grace, as she shares with us about her work in the prisons. And we have entitled our share today, Naturally Innocent, as the I Am That I Am. So Indigo Grace has a degree in counselling is a renowned intuitive psychic and is qualified in shamanic energy healing. She feels spiritually called to be a hollow bone for spirit, a conduit for the light. Indigo combines her gifts and skills to work with symptoms held in the mind, body and soul, bringing through healing for the inner child, ancestral wounds, past lives, soul contracts, clearing entities, patterns of thinking, behavior, and illness. In clearing these energies, we're more able to allow spirit to flow, bringing us inner peace, ease, grace, abundance, a higher vibration, health, well-being, and more. Indigo's soul journey has brought her many of life's toughest challenges and she brings these soul's lessons to life and her work, knowing healing is the pathway to enlightenment of the soul. Trusting in spirit has opened Indigo's intuition as guidance, feeling an incredible heart-centered passion and undeniable calling to walk this path of love and light, to be in service, to spirit. 
So welcome, beloved Indigo Grace. It is so wonderful to have you return to our family of Sounds of the Heart. Thank you, Sandy. It's so, so good to be back. Wonderful. So I'm curious, what brought you to prison work? Well, it all began back uh, years and years ago when I was doing my counselling degree. We had some uh, people come in and speak to us about the sort of work that they do. And someone came along and spoke about um, the, the unfortunate, awful death of her daughter, which was an, a, a murder. And she spoke about the programs that she had been involved with for support and one of them was a restorative justice program and it involved a meeting with victims and perpetrators. So victims of crime were able or survivors of crime were able to sit in circle with the perpetrators that had been uh, imprisoned but not the perpetrator of the crime that they were involved with. And an interesting thing happens is that even though you're not sitting with the person that you harmed or harmed you or your loved ones, there is still a healing process that occurs. And it just was so inspiring to me and I felt as though it was an opportunity where we can do or I could be involved with doing the real work of spirit where someone who has experienced the most dreadful thing and someone who has committed the most dreadful thing uh, really need a, so much healing and assistance to bring through spirit for so many different reasons. But ultimately, it's all the same. It's, it's all about reaching that place of peace within and it just was a, a real calling for me and fast forward a few um, several years later I was in an a situation where I had an opportunity to start working in prisons in an administrative role and this was the pathway for me to learn about the programs that were available and become involved in them and so mm -hmm. here I am. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And it's when we, you know, meet ourselves in that place that is, you know, we need to go beyond that victim perpetrator consciousness that we get to see it in a bigger way. And it's, it's an experience that we have had or are still engaging with and still um, coming to terms with holistically. And when we are able to offer um, a response that meets ourselves from our wholeness instead of our brokenness and woundedness and our connection and our um, being interconnected with one with all that is instead of our separation, then it provides a space for us to hold in that light of love those feelings and beliefs and attitudes and assumptions that can arise when we've had those kind of horrific and shocking and 
really quite transformative experiences. Absolutely. <clears throat> and getting to that place is a real process. There's things that need to be done uh, within oneself and to have witnessed also by others. And when those things are done, then we can move into this place of, uh, I, I don't call it forgiveness, I call it inner peace. Mm -hmm. What's the difference to you? What does the difference mean to you? To be honest, at the moment, I'm really unclear around the word forgiveness. I think it has a lot of meanings for a lot of people. And in the work that we, we have been doing, there's never any mention of the word forgiveness. It doesn't come up other than finding a way, uh, particularly for perpetrators, to feel a sense of forgiveness for themselves. But what that is, is more like a sense of self-acceptance, of being human, of having made mistakes, and it's not about condoning what they have done, it's about taking responsibility what they for what they have done, but being able to move out of a place of absolutely crippling guilt and shame into a place of understanding, acceptance of their humanness, of their flaws, of their dark, of their shadow, whatever you'd like to call that, and then using that for improving their, their selves and for doing repetitive work restorative work either in the community or within themselves or only uh, but generally what happens is when they reach that point they want to create some sort of equilibrium where they have acted in such a way that the scales are heavily down on one side and they want to try and equal those up balance those up uh, by doing good and so through that process, they, they have to be able to reach a point of um, acceptance of themselves and of what they've done in order to be able to move into the next phase of uh, the restorative practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If they stay stuck in the guilt and shame, which is where most of us tend to like them to stay, as punishment, mm. it actually can be so immobilizing that they're not able to make good of their uh, actions. And that is the other thing that we want them to do. We want them to repent. We want them to uh, try and make up for what they have done. But interestingly, they have to have a form of self-acceptance and this work of restorative justice where it's the victim-perpetrator scenario is a really integral part of that. Mm. Mm. So it sounds like, you know, the, the, it, the peace is about contact, getting in contact with, with what's really natural to our true nature and yes. when we are in contact with that, then we move and speak from that place and we are going to 
choose actions and we are going to have that inner relating from ourselves that is peaceful because all violence arises from within, that discord, that disharmony, that um, that internal conflict arises from within, from our thinking and the idea of who we think we are and what we think we're separate from. So, you know, we're going to go and take it, um, whether we have permission to or not. Um, and it's it's learning to find other more compassionate and responses that are kind to that conflict and that internal um, division that we often feel within ourselves when we are lost in that idea of a personal separate me. So I really can feel the difference between the the peace and the forgiveness because sometimes the forgiveness can still be enshrouded with the the concepts of um, guilt and shame and that kind of stuff. So I'm curious about what has been the most challenging part of this service for you? Uh, I think for anyone who <clears throat> works in uh, or in a counselling situation or in, in a, uh, a peer support position, any, anything like this, where you've had lived experience of uh, wounding or harm from another, I think the most difficult thing is to be able to get over your own wounding and come to a place where you're not triggered by what you hear to a point where it uh, renders you helpless because then it's an awful experience for yourself and then you also can't be present uh, for the group or for the people involved. So my process of hearing what people have to share and processing my own experiences because I've had I've had a lot uh, is a, it's actually a good marker for me to see where I'm at in my soul journey in my healing journey and if I, I see that there's something or feel that something is uh, affecting me more deeply than than it needs to uh, then I know that there's more work to be done there so that's mm. probably the most challenging thing. And then the other thing is some of the sharing can be quite confronting. Uh, some of the violence, uh, the group that I'm uh, sitting with at the moment is men. And so some of the violence is really quite shocking. However, there's a place that I, I, I go to and perhaps it's the same for, for everyone. I'm not sure where I just have an understanding that human beings are capable of doing dreadful things based on how much wounding they have. Now, that's not to say that people necessarily are going to act out because of their wounding and, and certainly not necessarily in a physically violent way. But it's... 
it's understandable. It's not excusable, but it is an explanation. And it helps me to have compassion for these people as human beings that have been incredibly wounded themselves and have made choices as a result. They're fully responsible for their decisions, but I have compassion for them as people. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it's it's it um, invites us to see where we have compassion for ourselves or we don't have compassion for ourselves. Mm. And the difference is, is that, you know, we've all had thoughts and times of feeling, you know, enraged and, you know, I don't think there's anyone that hasn't had a thought about wanting to to kill something or someone in, you know, in their thinking. And, and it's like, but there's a, there's a decision there that we get to make around whether we're going to act yeah. on that. And, you know, one of the liberating things is, you know, having worked with, worked with really um, uh, a lot of people that have been deeply hurt by others and the actions of others and as children and then as they've come up through adolescence and into adulthood and to see the impact of those actions that it's very difficult to have someone act in loving and kind and gentle and compassionate ways when their environment has been so hostile and harsh and aggressive and abrasive and on many levels neglectful of and absent mm. of that peace and that love that is always within us. And so to hold up that as the possibility, that's the hope that I find in what you're sharing with us is that to redirect the focus, to go within and see what is really real, what is really true within us, outside of our stories, outside of our experiences, beyond our thinking and our social conditioning, what is really within us and what is, what can that do to meet those experiences that we feel have us feel condemned, possibly forever, that don't allow us to see that our true purity and our true nature is innocent and it is that light and love that can transform and transcend even the most heinous acts. That's grace. Absolutely. I mm. have found the ability to look at this group of men and see the light in each of them and communicate that to them and help them understand that they're not rotten to the core, that spirit does live in and through them and that that's what they need to hold on to as their guiding light. But I'm also very, very aware that sometimes acts of violence occur in a split second. Good people can do dreadful things in a heated moment. Mm. 
And I remember myself being in a situation where I was exhausted. I was a brand new mum. My baby wasn't wouldn't stop crying and so on. And I was at that point of uh, being unable to cope any longer. And I had a really strong urge to want to throw the, my baby out the window, which is a really shocking thought that I could even have that cross through my mind. And what I recognised in that moment was that I, and I'm, I'm sure it would be for others in that position, and, and not just in this situation, but other situations where it feels like we're on a, or I felt like I was on a knife's edge and it was just tipping one side or the other as to how I acted. But there was something innate in me that knew that that wasn't okay to do. I hadn't been physically abused by my family. I wasn't raised around that kind of violence. So therefore, I believe that that taught me that it's not okay to be physically violent. And I was able to draw on that unconsciously in that moment where I, I was absolutely, oh, completely spent and frustrated and wanted to just end this awful situation. And I was able to draw on that to make my, my instantaneous choice not to go there. And for that, excuse me, for that moment, uh, in that moment, I really recognised the vulnerability of us as human beings and how anyone is capable of doing awful things. And so when you put someone in a situation where they've actually been terribly abused, violated, betrayed, abandoned, rejected, all those things as children... Is it any wonder that they're able to go there when they're faced with that knife's edge decision and also use those coping tools of violence and um, hate and crime and so on as their way of coping in the world because it becomes a protection, it becomes a, a defence mechanism, it becomes a way of saying to society and to particularly to the uh, group that they run with, uh, don't, you know, don't, don't come near me, don't hurt me, don't, don't you dare try, uh, otherwise you're going to cop it. But when we haven't had that type of upbringing, we don't, we don't need that. We haven't had to create that as a resource. Although mm. most of us don't get out of childhood unscathed, uh, we do develop other sort of coping mechanisms and we can be violent in other ways with the way we speak, uh, with controlling, um, with name-calling, you know, all those sorts of things as well. And it's just a different level. Mm. Yeah. Yes, and it all has its um, effects on, yeah. on, on each of us and how we connect and communicate and how we speak is is incredibly important because our you know and letting people know that 
we're not our thoughts. It's like we, as human beings, we live on this dualistic planet and there's, you know, from one end of the spectrum to the most beautiful and eloquent and loving gestures and then there's the most dark and heinous and shocking and destructive and Mm. when we can accept that within ourselves Mm. but also see from that place of our true nature that is innocent that is pure um, that is loving that is peaceful then we don't need to attach to that and make it walk and talk as if it's real and so creating those um that loving detachment and being able to see that we're not perfect we we have our frustrations we have our our times where we're you know life comes and shocks shocks us and you know shakes us and we get to see what's within us what the work is to be done within us so we can mature and see this as a process of growth and evolution of our souls and Mm -hmm. truly awakening to who and what we really are and whether we can respond to that from a place of loving kindness and generosity and compassion. That's right. And if, if, if a child never hears that, you know, there's so many kids that grow up in uh, drug addicted or alcohol addicted abusive environments where maybe there's only one parent and, and that parent that's still there is uh, not present for, for many different reasons. But when the environment is really damaging to the child, they don't, they don't learn to have self-respect or self-love or even recognise that they have light within them. They're so often used as a dumping ground and blamed the stories that have come out of uh, the sharings from this group are just tragic. And if if this was a, a support group outside of prison where the uh, these men hadn't committed any crimes to follow, everyone would be, well, we were weeping, we were sad for them, but in, in a standard sort of support group, People would be going, oh, my goodness, and rushing up and hugs and kisses and, oh, I feel so for you. I feel, I feel. But when you know that they've gone on and done dreadful things, that compassion drops away. It's not for everyone, but for most people, they wrestle with, well, you know, look at him. Look at him or look at her. Look what she's done. I can't have compassion for her. Too bad about what her childhood was. But we actually do need to extend that same compassion. And Mm. from that place, their healing can begin. Mm. And and where, where they have what I call a willing spirit, they will try to right their wrongs. You can't bring back someone who's died, who's been murdered. You can't bring back... Um, relationships that you've completely annihilated and destroyed but you can keep on working throughout your life to try and put the good back in and Mm -hmm. find some way of accepting 
your brokenness mm-hmm. and not um, whipping yourself for the rest of your life. Okay, so we're going to continue this conversation. Okay, lovelies, it's time for us to take a short break. This is Sandy Goldstone and my guest is the lovely Indigo Grace. And you're listening to Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone on Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Stay tuned and we'll be back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Sandy Goldstone wants to help you start your true self journey. Sandy works with all issues and ages for individuals, couples, and groups. She is a spiritual teacher and holistic counselor of the Heart's Way in Perth, Australia. It's time to gift yourself with knowing your own lightness of being, beauty, and truth. You can feel relaxed, loving, wise, joyful, and peaceful, whatever your experiences have been or what challenges you are currently facing. Are you ready? Let's do it. Say yes and call or contact Sandy Goldstone in Australia on 011-61420-399-287 or reach out to her on Facebook at Sandy Grace Goldstone and start your true self journey. Right now, Sandy is offering a special gift. Mention the radio show Sounds of the Heart and receive a 40% discount on each of your first two 90-minute Skype sessions. That's just $99 to start your true self journey with Sandy Goldstone. For more information or to receive this special offer, email soundsoftheheart at hotmail.com. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to the Sounds of the Heart. To find out more about our program, visit Sandy's website at soundsoftheheart.com.au. Again, that's soundsoftheheart.com.au. Now, back to Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone. And we are back, lovelies, with Sounds of the Heart on the 7th Wave channel of Voice America. And I am your host, Sandy Goldstone, talking with my delightful guest, Indigo Grace. And as we went to the break, we were talking about how compassion is such an important element in being able to meet within ourselves and each other those times when we have responded in ways that have been harmful and destructive, not only to ourselves, but to each other when we are lost in those stories of um, victimization and being a perpetrator and all that kind of stuff. And we are really wanting to go beyond that consciousness to look at our actions and our experiences from a place of soul evolution and truly coming back to that place of wholeness and seeing ourselves as naturally innocent as the I am that I am and that life is appearing as this thought, this feeling, this experience in in this moment and seeing it from that place in space. So Indigo, I'm just curious as to what has been the most surprising gift that you have received? 
the connection um, with, with these men, can they sense the non-judgment and the compassion from me, the connection from them, I get to see their heart and their light more strongly. I get, I receive their gratitude. And it's just such a, a beautiful and moving moment and it, it feels like it, it's gifts just circling between us. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't cost anything. And it's not about being a martyr. It's not about being better than anyone else. It's really, it is about a levelling and about being very, very equal and knowing that I could, <clears throat> I could be that person if I didn't handle situations better. I could be that person on, on the other side of the, you know, the, the fence, as it were. We're all just humans. And so I think the connection to heart is the most beautiful gift. Mm. So is it like a melting away of, of the, the mind's barriers and obstacles that it places in between because of the story and through our hearts there is something that enables us to see beyond that and that it meets in a different place and space of love and compassion and generosity because it is as we give to ourselves, we give to another. And we've, like I said, we've all had times where we've been violent. Mm. We have all been violent. We have been violent through our words. We've been violent through, you know, our thoughts. And that carries an energetic um, you know, wave, and right. we we know that because we can walk into a room, and you can feel the energy of someone that's enraged, and it's like get the hell out of there. It's like you don't want to stay around that because there's this like foreboding, um, you know, danger. The sense of danger that's mm-hmm. emanating from the being. So it's and mm-hmm. so it's being able to meet that within ourselves from that place of um, gentleness and and a curiosity to just kind of go, hmm, how come you're there? What is it that I'm believing to be true right now that is having me in the story of separation and that somehow this is the only action I can take that is going to have me feel better or closer to being loved, which yes. that's the irony. That's the paradox. It's like what is actually being done is their idea of what feels loving or what feels safe or secure for them. That's right. That's right. I had a, um, an experience uh, in the group where I was – Processing through some uh, pain, rage uh, towards a person who had um, 
hurt me dreadfully. It was a domestic violence situation for me. And what the men witnessed was me speaking to an empty chair, which is a, a, a process, but it, it spontaneously occurred for me. And I was telling him how, how he had affected me, telling him how I felt and really allowing my hurt and pain to be heard and to be witnessed. And this is the, the part of this group that's uh, so amazing is that these men saw themselves in different positions. They were either me or they were in the chair or they were both, or they saw their parents. And these grown men, some of them very tough men, were sobbing. And through my process, these men were healing. And I was also validating in them what they hadn't yet been able to um, honouring themselves or even realise that it had an effect on them or to what degree. And I helped them release it for themselves. <clears throat> what was interesting was that I was able to go around and say to these men, I see the light in you. Mm. But seeing the light in that person in the chair, figuratively sitting in the chair, the empty chair, that was the hardest part for me because it was personal. And so through the process, I, I, I managed to get to the next level of my healing around this experience myself. And that was where I was able to thank him and say, thank you for the lessons that you have brought to me through this experience because I've developed and I've grown and I've got more awareness and I'm clearer and allow, able to bring more of the light and love from spirit through me. And so that was the blessing from the experience with this person. As hard and as horrible as it was, without it, I wouldn't have received the, the learning, the gifts, the, the wisdom. And so mm -hmm. having that happen in front of the, the rest of the group and the other victims that were there as well, the other survivors and victims of, of crime that participate in the, in the group, it was a really powerful moment for, for everybody and a very healing one. And that's the mm -hmm. whole intention of this restorative justice work is to heal through others sharing others' stories and others' processes. It's mm -hmm. really remarkable. Yes, that, you know, thank you so much for sharing that. That's, that's such a beautiful um, example of the power of grace and it is the light that transforms and shows us what is really true and strips away everything that's not. 
and being able to be in that place of um, authentic vulnerability and to just speak from the heart about how something has felt without wanting to go and blame and shame because that's what keeps us in that personal cycle and we have all myriads of experiences that life brings us and that's about our our you know growth and evolution and getting closer and closer to removing all those um, distortions and clearing the window screen so we can clearly see through the eyes of presence who we really are and not what we think we are based on our experiences. And so I just feel that this is a really beautiful process and we don't need to do, you know, go to these extremes to to have this available to us. I feel that, you know, this concept is available in each and every moment. And when we can let go, even those terminologies of victim and perpetrator, it's like this is the experience, this is this is the actions that have been taken, that have been harmful, that have been hurtful that have had you feel more further away from who you really are. Absolutely. And, of course, the way I'm, I'm speaking and the language I'm using is in context of the prison program. Mm-hmm. However, when I'm working with, with people in private practice, it has a different feel to it. It has a different... Um, language to it it is more gentle and I wouldn't normally use the expressions of a victim and perpetrator I may learn use the expression of teaching and learning or lessons and growth and that sort of thing so it's not quite as uh, intense and uh, perhaps as scary as this might sound mm-hmm yeah yeah, and everything is contextual and and it's what's taking place and things evolve. Even within systems, they change and they evolve as as the as consciousness awake wakens to what's really real and allows mm-hmm. those distortions and those assumptions and beliefs and those practices to fall away. So mm-hmm. um, and right now I feel collectively that the system itself is being um, deconstructed and all those kind of dualistic perceptions and ideas and how we respond to things um, through humanity is actually shifting and changing. So it's wonderful to hear that this is actually taking place within Mm. systems that have been so punitive and condemning and... Um, not offering hope and redemption. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting that there are so many uh, prisoners lining up to do these programs. They want to heal. They want to repent. Of course, there are many that don't. They're not in that that, that place yet. Uh, but I'm speaking about those that uh, have reached that place of the willing spirit to to heal and learn and grow. And the, 
the problem that we have at the moment actually is getting enough victims or survivors to come into the programs because it's it's far more confronting for them uh, having been on the receiving end of, of some awful or, or heinous experiences to to consider, you want me to go into a prison and do what? <laughs> and sit with prisoners and 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 have compassion. Uh, it's it's a, a really difficult thing for some people to get their head around, but it is one of the most incredible experiences and incredibly healing. And so I I really invite and. Um, suggest that anyone who has been seriously um, hurt or wounded to really consider whether this is something that they might be able to do for themselves. We're not there to for the other person. We are there for ourselves. But in so doing, we are actually there for the other. And very quickly, the concept of the victim perpetrator sort of drops away we do start to see each other as just as human beings and that's where the recovery can begin and we can actually start to remove the block and I think that's what happened for me was I was able to remove the block that I had the resistance that I had to letting letting go of the resentment towards my ex-partner. That was a big one because holding that uh, helped me feel strong, it helped me feel right, it helped me feel protected from what he, he had said and done to me. And as I said before, being able to see the light in others but unable to see it in him, in him that was a really interesting position to be in. It shows that when when we're personally involved in something, then we form that judgment, we form the, the protection barrier and so on. <laughs> and so being able to overcome that in ourselves is, is the healing for ourselves. It doesn't excuse anything of what he did. And I completely understand how and why he um, is the person that he is. And also, I must add, I'm not perfect. Oh, my goodness. I, I made mistakes and I completely own those as well. Uh, but there's different ways of going about handling them. Let's just say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's definitely worthwhile considering this as part of a healing journey um, for, for uh, survivors of any type of um, abuse or trauma. Mm. Mm. I find it interesting that you know, talking about the wanting to hold it on, hold on to it as a means to protect and mm. and this thing of being right and this, but this attitude of being right is very isolating and alienating. And you know, my experiences too is that when you hold on to that, then that energy itself. Um, and another energy needs to arise to match that, to to have that keep playing out as if that is true. So it's like you're inviting 
further um, chaos and and hurt and suffering um, to your to the being because you've so personalized it and you're going I'm right and so it's like that rightness has to keep playing out that cycle of suffering right <clears throat> and with that came a very uh, bullish kind of energy in the vibration is a hard one and mm. and it's not a nice place to be in myself it's not a nice place to to uh, to live from uh, even if it is only in relation to that person it still uh, is existing within me and so it gives me freedom in letting this go and it is a really big step, you know, I can really still feel myself stretching into this place uh, because it, it's new and different. And, and I think uh, in society it's, it's a norm for us to hold resentment, to hold bitterness, uh, to perhaps, you know, even feel righteous around certain situations. And, wow, to let all that go, it's, uh, it's a, quite a new paradigm really. Um, and I, I think it just it takes time depending on perhaps what was done, although some people can feel that way over a, a slight thing. But when, when you've been you know, oh, damaged and, and wounded by someone to your core, that takes more time. Mm. And that, it and feels, okay. it, I think it feels like we've been damaged and wounded to our core. That's the difference. It feels like it. But we That's get true. to see in actuality that is not true. It's and, very true. And so it's when we allow ourselves to really deeply feel that anguish, that pain, that loss, that devastation or whatever it is that we're um, wanting to avoid, mm -hmm. which is what keeps us in that blaming cycle and that um, you hurt me and mm -hmm. I'm not going to, you know, let you off the hook. But mm -hmm. while you keep that attitude in play, it's you imprison yourself within those feelings. The act itself may have finished and it may have finished you know, years ago, but you still keep it active and energetically alive, like it's still taking place now in the body. Yeah. 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 And it, as so, I said before, it, it gave me a, a sense of freedom in being able to move past that place of holding on to the resentment, holding on to the bitterness. And, and it keeps us in a, a victim mentality, even though or a victim energy, even though we may not necessarily re refer to ourselves as a victim or feel that way, it actually is perpetuating that on an energetic level. Mm. Yeah, and, and it's exhausting, it's tiring. Uh, it, it, it affects our health and our well-being, our energy, uh, sorry, our, um, you know, the vibration that we give out. And interestingly about that, uh, once I did that process, um, I was able to respond with a different energy, even just in a text message to something that was sent to me that wasn't particularly great. And 
it was like I had a new strength in my boundary. So rather than responding from the sort of victim-y, um, you know, don't do that to me, you can't do that, oh, me. it's not okay, it, it just sort of, even though I was standing up for myself, it was from a less empowered place. And then this changed and I was able to speak and text <laughs> from from this energy within me that was very, very clear, very, very strong, but also gentle. Mm. It wasn't it was no longer the, the fight. Mm-hmm. It was just uh, the, it was more assertive from a place of love for myself. Mm-hmm. And I was able to create boundaries around uh, what was being said and how it was being said and it actually had an effect on what was sent back to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, love. So um, would you like to quickly share your contact details with our listeners? Absolutely. Thank you very much. So I can be reached at info at grace com.au and I have a landing page up at the moment my website's being revamped and that's indigo-grace.com.au okay thank you so much and thank you lovelies for your heart's loving presence and gifting yourself with listening to indigo grace share how we can find loving creative compassionate responses to violence when we meet what arises within us from the eyes of our pure, loving presence. The I am that I am, that's true nature is naturally innocent. So next week, our guest will be Mark Steinwood, who will share his vision and practical insight on how we can use shamanic teachings as an effective tool to respond to all forms of addiction, habits that keep us in a cycle of illusion and suffering and stop us from truly seeing and knowing the truth of our radiant, powerful magnificence. So until our hearts join together as one next week, I send you much love and blessings from my heart to yours. May your week be overflowing with all that you are now. Love, joy and peace. I love you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Sounds of the Heart. Sandy Goldstone invites you to join her again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Connect to your own divine nature in the coming week and explore within.